business, leadership, high performance, the journey. Hey, welcome everybody to the Patrick Metzger Show. So, uh, so glad to have you back here and it's a pleasure to introduce uh, my next guest today. And so when I started this podcast, you know, it was really driven by the idea of just helping others, really by learning from others' journeys. You know, whether it's a high performer, whether it's a regular Joe, um, whatever it may be. And I'm super pumped today because you're going to get that in a whole lot more um, with this episode. So our guest today is actually from Edinburgh, Scotland, and he's currently an award-winning sales performance consultant. And he's also the host of the Built to Last podcast. Uh, he also facilitates the business and family men community where he leads like-minded men out of obscurity and into their personal fortune freedom and personal vision for their family. Uh, most importantly, though, uh, he's a family man and proud father of one with another one on the way, which he's obviously super excited about. But uh, he has numerous lessons from uh, and a great story for us today, however, of really hitting rock bottom and bouncing back to find himself and really take things to a whole new level. So, Excited to dive into his story today, and with us uh, all the way from across the pond uh, from Scotland is Craig Hurd. Welcome to the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm super excited to be here, and I've been following the show since the beginning. I've, the 12 episodes have been brilliant, so thank you for for having me on, Patrick. Yeah, you bet. Uh, and I, I greatly appreciate um, a little bit of background first. Uh, I had the opportunity to be on Craig's podcast, uh, I think it was back this fall, I believe. And the two of us honestly just really hit it off. It was like brothers from uh, from another mother. But uh, we had a really good discussion on his show, uh, which was titled differently. I believe it was Iron Empire back then around uh, just my journey of leaving teaching and personal struggles, family struggles, which which all of us have. And man, I remember it's, it's probably the most engaged I have ever been on a podcast of just going back and forth with somebody. And I could just feel, man, both of us had, have gone through a lot of the same experiences and things. And, you know, I think everybody, you know, I think everybody is, is magnetized to those that are, that are similar to ourselves. But, you know, Craig, I was really excited to have you on here uh, because, you know, you've chosen the path like myself that so many individuals are afraid to walk down. That fear, that anxiety, the what ifs, you know, hold so many people back from stepping out of their comfort zone to really find themselves, their happiness, their fulfillment, that balance in life, you know, what they're really meant to do, what they're really meant to be. So I really want to just give you the floor here to to start us off with your story of, man, where you were really at in your life before you made some of those major changes and before you really came to some of those realizations. So uh, start us out, Craig, man, by just take take our listeners back to that point and, and earlier, if you may. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. And uh, I'd love to t- touch on that episode that we did record later in this podcast because, I, yeah, I feel completely the same. But just to share a little bit about my story, like a lot of entrepreneurs, business owners, men in business, whatever, I found you know high school, that kind of early age, a little bit. Confusion didn't quite know what direction to go in. And finally, around 2021, I found this entrepreneur thing. And I just went as fast as I could in, in one direction for the first time and only time. And I worked hard. I worked as long as I could. And over that time, I, like a lot of us, I really built up a decent career. You know, the income grew every year. 
I built connections, I, I progressed, I developed the self, all the stuff that we, we do. And I, I, was, I was okay doing that right through my 20s and early 30s. And really it was a game that I understood. But then what happened to me is really what happens to a lot of men in business is they, they meet the love of their life. And it completely throws the game. And it did for me <laughs> because I met the love of my life and together we had a son. And they brought more joy into my life than really entrepreneurship or business ever had. Like I loved the game, I loved the growth, I loved the person I became because of business, but it wasn't always joy. They had brought me joy for the first time, really. Mm -hmm. But the funny thing was, is marrying the two, you know, being a father, being a partner, taking care of myself somehow, <laughs> and playing the old game of business and working hard and running hard, I couldn't make sense of it anymore. This, When that happened, it really felt like a new game with new rules, and I just didn't know how to play it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, And I was a, I felt like I was a, a new dad, and there was some, you know, in business we get to read business books all the time. It's encouraged. But when it comes to fatherhood and, and that whole game, there's, there's not that many books. And so I felt like there was a whole lesson, a whole library of books I hadn't read. And I, I really struggled at that stage. And, and I'd gone from, to give you a little bit of context, at the peak of the business before uh, my son arrived, I was leading an organization of about 45, 55 individuals. We were doing about 20, uh, 2.4, 2.5 million a year. And that was, that was going well. There was growth. It was excited. But then when my, my son was born, I, I couldn't sustain that. I couldn't figure out how to keep that going and be a father. I was away traveling to the likes of London and abroad four nights a week, and I couldn't do that oh, wow. anymore. And I also didn't want to. I didn't want to run that fast anymore because it wasn't fulfilling me like the time with my family. But the problem was I didn't know what to do next. For the longest time, my identity was tied up in being a businessman. So when that's challenged, when you no longer can be the thing that you've built yourself to be, what do you do? Mm -hmm. yeah. how, do you, how, do, how do you deal with that? And I didn't know for sure. And so I struggled in this limbo between the two worlds, neither of which were really working anymore. I wasn't being a great father. I wasn't being a great partner. And I was no longer pushing a bit, pushing and driving a business. So I, I lived in limbo for a good year. And what it ultimately meant was I had to throw in the towel with the business. And I took the first job that I could find, which was working in a warehouse doing night shift work for minimum wage. Because at that stage, I was so worn out, so tired so confused about what I was supposed to do next that my ability to do anything above that kind of work was completely gone. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say there's anything wrong with that kind of work, but it was quite a change. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially when you're used to that certain identity that you've created for yourself and you think you've wanted and you think you think you've gotten it all. And then you realize like, man, everything has shifted. You know, your identity gets shaken. Everything has shifted. And then it's like, man, where do I go now? Yeah. Yeah. And the reality was at that time was it was more about the story I was telling myself than 
anything that was right or wrong with the situation. You know, it wasn't the warehouse work isn't the worst thing in the world. It's actually kind of easy work. You know, it's mm-hmm. some for some someone that's been working hard for 10 years. It's almost like a little vacation in, in terms of work. And I got to see the family more and that was brilliant. But it was my identity was tied up in the old thing. Right. So mm-hmm. this was beneath me. And this was this was I failed and I'd taken a misstep. And um, yeah, my my confidence was just just on the floor. So from that point, once I hit my kind of mental floor is I had to figure out how to fix this. And on my journey to do it, I really started to be a lot more honest, a lot more transparent with the people around around about me. Because I, I don't know if you find this, Patrick, but I find the world of business is full of people who want to present their very best self. And they want to do that, I guess, because they think it will help them grow their business. They think it's the best thing for them. They think it's what they need to do. Who knows? But, I, you know, it can be super damaging. Mm-hmm. Pretending that things, pretending that things are perfect and that you're you're bulletproof, uh, yeah. it really stops. It really stops you getting the help you need when you need it. Oh, I hundred percent agree with you, Craig. I think there's a lot of people out there that really, really struggle. And it, you know, man, even if you look at business people in general, a lot of business people, especially ones that travel and are overworked, I mean, they're dealing with some serious serious issues. I mean, they get into alcohol and things like that because it's just part of part of the gig and meetings and things like that. And they're away from family and relationships destroyed. And meanwhile, they're all, they're trying to cover all of it up with this show, this ego, this false shell that they put out there. And on the inside, they're crumbling. I think so many. Yeah. Yeah. I remember working in that warehouse and texting friends of mine and ex-colleagues just going, yeah, no, things are good. Yeah. How are you? Things are brilliant here. Talk about you, not me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I was I was so uh, so scared of of them discovering what it what had become of me, and it, in truth, it wasn't really about the warehouse. It was about my mental state. It was about my my health. It was also declining, um, feeling completely lost. You know, what was what was I now doing? Was this my was this what I did now? You know, mm-hmm. did I have to be a f- great father do, do I have to choose between being a great father and family man or a great businessman like, I couldn't see how to figure out mm-hmm. the the space in between the two oh man I, I I remember exactly that for me too because as as you and I have discussed you know my wife and I had major fertility issues um, yeah you know we weren't we were th- man 30 33 and 34 when we had our daughter uh, the two of us mm-hmm. so it was a enormous enormous shift in what we were used to, the life we were living, you know, all of a sudden, I mean, I remember the hardest thing for me, Craig, was like, boom, you are like chained to home. I remember feeling just like, like if I left home to go do anything, there was guilt. So it was that constant feeling of like trying to push forward professionally, trying to be a great spouse, trying to be a great father, and just, man, there was guilt around every anything that I was doing because I didn't feel like I was giving justice to the other pieces of it. Hundred percent. Yeah, you you know how to do one, you know how to do the other, but merging the two of them, mm-hmm. that that was the that was the game I didn't really get, and yeah. that we we had similar similar challenges. And I share share this story because I don't we've we've spoken about it, and we know that we're not there's more of us than than people realize. But we we also suffered. Um, I say we, but we had 
uh, five miscarriages in an effort to to have our our second child and for me that's t- for me that was that was pretty tough but for my other mm-hmm. half it was just i can't imagine just something else but that was just one more one more kind of punch in the gut at a time that i wasn't really strong enough to <laughs> to to take more mm-hmm. yeah i know i know both you and i are, are big proponents of you know, getting men to speak more openly about that because it is tough. You know, it does, and it doesn't matter where the issue lies or whatever it may be. But yeah, there are there are a lot of people that suffer with that, and it's and it's a big it's a big struggle. It's a huge mental mountain to overcome, no doubt. But yeah, take take me back, Craig, or take the listeners back, really, to man, what ultimately made you pull the trigger on leaving business to like, geez, just go into this minimum wage warehouse job where you just absolutely needed to get away mental break. I mean, how did you bring yourself to really make that choice? What were kind of the, some of the final feelings that maybe really pushed you over the edge there? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think a lot of myself and a lot of business businessmen and, and people in business are generally quite determined and, and, uh, and pretty stubborn. You know, they don't give up easily. And in truth, Looking back, I probably should have left that role, that job, uh, about 12 months before I did. If, if I'd done that, things would have been okay. It just would have been a bad job. I probably would have got a better one. Mm-hmm. But I, I refused to listen to that little voice inside that said, maybe it's time to go, you know? Yep. And I, I said, no, but I'm, I'm, I'm succeeding. Things are working. Stick at it. And sometimes that can be the worst thing, you know, not knowing when to quit and when to step away and to... to Decide there's something better, you know, fear of, of losing what you've got right now stops you from really gaining the thing you want to get. Mm-hmm. And I, I hung on for as long as I could until I just could. I just didn't have the energy or the capacity anymore to to hang on to that role. And it was it was what everyone describes when they talk about burnout, when they talk about um, just just not having anything left in the tank. And like Anthony Robbins, Tony Robbins talks about when your, your, your shoulds become musts, that's when you act. And so I just, I had to go. I didn't see how I could sustain it any longer. Yep. Okay. So, so you shifted so, into this yeah. warehouse position. Mm-hmm. Where did it go from there then? Yeah. So that's, that's when things really became, um, really improved at that stage. In, in my mind, I couldn't, <laughs> You know, it's like, this is it. This, I can't see how things can get worse. So I, I really started to be a lot more honest with myself and the people around me. And I started to, not really with any intent, I just started to share my story and share some of the things that I was so scared to to talk about. You know, some of the difficulties I'd have and just, I, I didn't want to appear weak. And that I thought, well, I can't get any weaker. <laughs> And so I started sharing my story and what I've been doing and, and what I was trying to do and what I cared about and what I think I might be able to do next and all this kind of stuff. And what I learned quickly was that, yeah, people saw it differently than I did. You know, when I told the story to myself, I was telling the story of a guy that had failed in business, couldn't handle it, couldn't hack it, couldn't figure out how to be a father, all this kind of stuff. But when I told the story, the way people told it back to me is they say, that's not what I hear. I hear a guy that's willing to do whatever it takes to make sure his his family are taken care of. I see a guy that's super determined to to make it work beyond rational reason, you know? Mm-hmm. And they were saying those aren't bad things. Those aren't bad things. 
doesn't sounds like you're missing some of the tools and some of the strategies, but that's okay. People have those. And so when I started to be a little bit more honest, I relieved some of the guilt, some of the shame, and I started to find mentors who could actually help me because for the first time I was being honest. And I, one thing I like to say nowadays is that if you ask honest questions, you'll get honest answers. If you ask BS mm -hmm. questions, you'll get BS answers. So pretending that things are okay, even if you find your perfect mentor, they're going to give you the wrong answer because you're not telling them what's going on. So it's, when you're honest, you can, you can get the honest answer that you're after. And that's what started to happen. It's amazing. As you were saying that comment, Craig, I literally wrote on my sheet here, BS. And what I was yeah. just, I was writing some notes as you were talking there. Cause I think it's, it's amazing when people will actually face their own story. And I think that is the biggest difference of what makes people take action and what makes people sit in misery and wish and wish and wish. And like you said, uh, the, the Tony Robbins quote, I love that, you know, when it becomes a, becomes a must, that's when you actually pull the trigger. But, you know, I think it takes the purging of that self BS that you create by asking those really tough questions of yourself and not being afraid to face the answers either of when you finally break through, you know, and I think you mm. and I have both experienced the same thing with that. Yeah, hundred percent. I, it, it's funny. The biggest, really, the, th the thing that I was scared of losing was this uh, position, this status. And when I lost it, when I no longer was this businessman as I saw it, I realized it wasn't so bad. It took a couple of months, but I realized maybe I didn't care that much about it. You know, maybe I was just holding on because I'd been told or, or I was born with grit or whatever reason, but maybe I was mm -hmm. holding on for the sake of holding on. And in fact, I needed to get rid of it in order to do the next thing, the bigger thing, the more exciting, the more aligned thing. Mm -hmm. And maybe my you know, if you want to get religious and talk about the big guy or not, but maybe I, maybe my son is meant to show me that this way of living, this old style of living, this traveling four nights a week, maybe that's not sustainable. Maybe that's not what your life is meant to be about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I love I love how you how you mentioned the you know when you become a parent how things change because I man I'm a big believer in that one of. I think, and I think not necessarily your, your values don't shift, but your priorities shift. I think a lot of people yeah. are unwilling to realize that, to face it, to see it for what it is. And they keep trying to live this life, this persona, this whatever it is that they maybe once had. But we're meant to change. We're meant to grow. And a lot of people make that mistake of trying to hold on to things too long or they hold on forever and they end up being miserable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and somebody asked me this morning on another podcast is um, why was the why was the change so difficult? And I said, I realize now the change wasn't difficult. It was the resistance to the change that was difficult. Mm -hmm. I made it so much harder on myself by by holding on to what was, and it didn't need to be that way. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to trust the path, isn't it? Yeah, it's. I think it's that fear of the unknown, right? It's you. You, you hold on to what you've got right now because you're so scared of, of what might be and you assume, sometimes you assume that it's going to be worse. And in truth, it might be so much better than the way you have things right now. Mm -hmm. But you need to get rid of the stuff now that you have now in order to make way for that new stuff. It's like the, I don't know if you've ever heard the, 
the forest fire story, but um, there's, there's, sometimes they're created and sometimes they happen in nature, but the forest uh, has these micro fires all year. And these need to happen. These need to burn away the old wood in order mm-hmm. to make sure that the, fo- the, the, the forest overall doesn't get out of control. And whenever you see those, those Californian or Colorado fires, you know, boulder burning for four months out of the year, <laughs> it's either a purging, but sometimes it's just got out of control because those micro burnings haven't happened. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I remember seeing that in Colorado and just thinking, that's insane. And somebody explaining just that to me, was like, no, it's necessary. Yeah, you need to get is. rid of the old stuff for the new stuff to arrive. Huh, I love that. Yeah, I love that analogy. It makes perfect sense. And it is so true. And very, mm. very seldom do we purge all that stuff or, or even just take the time to think about it. Life's too fast. You know, we're all too damn busy doing way too yeah. many things. And that's and that's when I think people go off the rails the most. Is when you don't stop, yeah. when you don't stop and slow enough, slow down enough to realize like, geez, am I am I really happy doing what I'm doing? Is this really what life's about? Or is there is there, is there a lot more to this? <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Um, but the good the good news is by finally leading in, <laughs> leading into that, uh, that change, I, I started to make progress and the, it was all progress I was excited about, you know, it was all, oh, this is interesting. This is more authentic. This isn't as tiring. You know, this is just, this is new. This is, this is good. And the amazing thing when we're talking about, I think the, the thing that people don't talk about nearly enough is that when we're, if we're talking about being authentic or, 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 the opposite, you know, disingenuous, the amount of energy that goes to being disingenuous is just so exhausting. You know, when I was living a life, when I was working hard at something I didn't want to be, it took so much energy. And nowadays, now when I'm working in alignment with what I care about and who I am, that same energy can be deployed against being a great father, being a great man in business, and I can get more done because mm-hmm. I'm just, it's not as tiring. It, I, it gives me energy rather than taking. What, what, let me ask you this, Craig. What were some of the first questions that you had to ask yourself where you started to come mm-hmm. to some of those hard realizations? Because for me, you know, for me, one of the biggest breakthroughs I had, you know, when I left a career of teaching, you know, over a decade, I think the number one question, I literally, actually, I was talking with someone in the gym this morning about this. It, the number one question I asked myself was, can I see myself doing this long-term and being happy doing it? And when I answered, no, absolutely not. I mean, it wasn't a, ah, oh, maybe. It was a, nope. That was, <laughs> I think the, I think that was the biggest question I asked myself initially that kind of launched me to go find whatever it was that I was looking for. And then I don't think I found what I was looking for until I went through the hero's journey with a personal coach, who you and I both know, Peter Scott. Um, And when he took me through that, of taking yourself through your own uh, hero's journey of where you've been, what you've done, who's influenced you, what are the struggles you've had? And you honestly, I mean, when I was forced to honestly dissect my entire life up to where I am now, it was so beyond powerful, it blew my absolute mind. Because it it opened the door to so many conversations and questions with myself where I, I was forced to face so many of those things and start chewing through them. Mm. What, here's a question that I, I'd love to know the answer to is what, what questions had you not considered? You know, like it's all, there's, there's the obvious ones that come up inside of us. Like, you know, do I, do I want to, 
do I want to continue doing this or is this working? But I mean, did anybody point out to you, did Peter, you know, did anyone point out to you some of the things that you just had, you just hadn't seen? I think a lot of it was around, you know, a lot of it was around upbringing. Mm. And, you know, a, a lot of people don't realize like your biggest imprinting years are like zero to seven and how much yeah. of your personality, your thoughts, your uh, beliefs are formed at such a young age. And when I started looking back like at my childhood and then as I saw how a lot of those beliefs and things skewed me into certain beliefs or actions or lack of some of those too, you know, as a teenager, all the way through college and then you know, I saw how I was holding on to things even as an adult and why I was holding on to some of those things or not or choosing not to let them go. Uh, it was very, very freeing kind of just facing those and saying, hey, everything that's holding me back or causing me from not moving forward in my life, I have 100% control over. And that was mm -hmm. probably the turning point when I just realized like, you know, if it's, you know, one of, one of my favorite quotes is if it's up, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. Yeah. And when you yeah. finally, when you finally realize that, and then you, you look at all the stuff that you need to, all the baggage and crap you need to let go of and, and drop, it's just like, you, you just feel like you're, you're off sprinting all of a sudden. Yeah. I yeah. I love that quote. If, if it's up to me, uh, if it's going to be, it's up to me. That's, that was taught to me when I think it was about 19 or 20 and it's stuck with me ever since. And the funny thing about that, that's, I love that phrase, but it is a double-edged sword phrase. I think it works super well when you're talking about the future. What I, that phrase turned on me, that was my man, my mantra. And I started to think that, well, everything wrong was my fault. And sometimes that's a little hard to take. It's true, but sometimes it's a little hard to take. Mm -hmm. So I love that phrase with the perspective of looking forward, you know, regardless what's happened, given the moment right now and the conditions that have been set, if it's, if I want, you know, if I want to go for the thing that I'm looking for, then it's up to me. I think with that forward perspective, that phrase is super powerful. Mm -hmm. So what kind of back to my original question, I know we, I, I took you completely off track there. I apologize. Sure. What, what was the biggest <laughs> question or two maybe that you kind of had to answer for yourself? when you were in that warehouse position to really kind of start the momentum forward. Cause I think that's the hardest part is people just getting the momentum once they finally, once they're finally in kind of that mental purgatory, if you want to call it that, you know, what, what were the big ones for you that you answered? Yeah, really good. Um, well, I, I had a friend of mine, a friend of mine, Chris, and I, I don't know if you have a friend like this or listeners have a friend like this, but He's a guy that just cuts through all your nonsense, you know, all your all your BS. Like <laughs> yep. he calls you out on it every time. You know, you just sometimes you get nervous telling a story because you know you're kind of exaggerating and you don't want him to cut through and go, that's not real. <laughs> so uh, I had. Uh, I love people I like mean, that, by the way. <laughs> radically, I love people that are just radically candid like that. I just I used to hate him, Craig, and now I appreciate yeah. him more than anybody else. I think just people that will just tell you what they think. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Chris, but you do need to get ready. You do need to watch yep. your words because yep. sometimes he calls you out on stuff. You don't even realize you're BS and then he's, and then he, he catches you. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, so I was telling Chris this story because he, he has a, a brilliant perspective on most things and he has that candor. And I said, yeah, and I lost this and I lost that. And this didn't work. And he just asked, do you care? Like, do you really, did you want, did you want those things really? Mm -hmm. 
I was like, yeah. He's like, did you really? Because you didn't seem that happy doing them. I was like, hmm. And he goes, maybe you just don't know what you want. So you just ran at the thing that looked good. Mm. And I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe. Maybe that entrepreneur spark or that determination or that drive that a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs, business people have, like you need, maybe you just ran it in one direction without ever thinking, was that the direction you wanted to go in? Mm-hmm. Yep. So point. that was the first big like eureka moment where I went, yeah, maybe, maybe I didn't even want the thing I lost. Hmm. And I, I think the second one, the, the second one didn't come from someone I know personally, but uh, there's a guy called Peter Krohn. He's called the the mind architect, and he's brilliant at just cutting through people's stories, rewriting them, and empowering people through ultimately freeing them from their their stories that are they're keeping them trapped. And I was on a, a a group group event with him, and he said, "What if everything that has happened up until this point was meant to happen exactly as it was supposed to happen?" Mm-hmm. And he said. The reality is everything up until this point has happened exactly as it was supposed to because it couldn't have happened any other way. And that for me was a hugely freeing thing because I thought maybe this isn't a bad thing. Maybe good or bad is the wrong metric here. You know, maybe this is what's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And I started to ask better questions of myself. I started to shift away from blame and and shame and all those kind of things that drag us down and and put us into this this mental you know vacuum i started to ask better questions like well what would need to happen next for all this to be worth it you know what for this to be a hero's journey for this to have an outcome worth sharing this difficult part what would the next chapter need to look like and all of a sudden, that got me super excited. I went from a really difficult place to, wow, if given how dif- difficult I found that, this next bit must be pretty great. And it didn't really matter what direction I went in. I just kind of went in the direction that felt right, knowing that it was going to be better. It could be better. It had to be better because for this to work out like it's supposed to, for that to be worth it, this next bit must be pretty great. And whether that was true or not, whether that was ever going to happen or not, it gave me enough belief that the next bit could be better that gave me some confidence, allowed me to stand up straight, allowed me to feel good about the future. And it's a bit of a chicken and egg thing. Like maybe that created the better future. Who knows? But those were some of the most powerful questions that nobody had asked me up until that point. Do you want to do the thing you're you're doing? Mm-hmm. What if things are meant to work out exactly as they're supposed to? Those were two big moments for me. Do you think a lot of people live in that world of just that constant negative self-talk? You know, because I, I love how you compare it to, uh, I love how you mentioned, you know, we go through negative parts and then there's got to be a good part after because life is, I mean, man, life is a roller coaster. And now that you're, you know, as a parent, you re- you realize that even more, I think, of there's ups, mm. there's downs, there's highs, there's lows. 
you know, do you think a lot of uh, do you think a lot of the men that you work with, especially now too, Craig, suffer with that? They get stuck in a valley and they get filled with that negative self-talk and they just don't see how it's going to go up again. You know, how it will turn positive. It's just a matter of what you control, what you don't control. Yeah, 100%. I, there was a, there's two, two guys that I got, I got the chance to meet and they told me this lesson years ago. And I, I wasn't ready to, to, to hear it. I mean, you know, <laughs> you will have heard that. The, what is it? The teacher teacher arrives when the student's ready. Mm-hmm. But the teach, these were two guys that, that I'd met, and they gave me a great lesson that I, I was too naive to, to really take it in. But the first was a guy named Spencer Hayes. He built a large, large organization called Tom James, which do tailored suits. And he got to the stage where he was billionaire, near, near billionaire, and giving away most of his money towards the end of his life. And his secret to success, as you you might call it, was what you say to yourself in the mirror is the one determining factor that's going to determine your life. And when I heard that when I was 20, I was like, okay, that sounds pretty good. But I didn't really, didn't really listen. And then the other one was when I was about 25, I met Steve Wozniak. And yeah, the the lesser known (laughs) Steve of of Apple. (laughs) Yep. Um, And he gave a talk here in Edinburgh and I had to catch him afterwards. I, I gra- grabbed him and asked him a question with the security guards <laughs> either side. And I, I, my question was as smart as I could think of at the time, which was, you know, back when you were 25, w- what would you have told yourself? And that was his big thing, his legacy mm-hmm. answer to that question, which was just remember everything you see in a movie or read in a book or hear about witness that was created by a man or woman no more clever than you or I. The only difference is they they believed it was possible, mm-hmm. and that that was that was huge. And I still think that's huge. And and when I th- to be honest, when I think about my trajectory at the moment, I think about those two guys most of all, and I think well. Has anything really surprised me? Have I ever been more successful than I, than I, I dreamed? Not really. I've always kind of achieved the level of the goals. Like I, over the last uh, couple of decades, I've got pretty good at hidden goals, but I've never wildly overshot them. And so it's that constant thing of, is my self-talk determining my reality? You know, do I? Is what I'm saying to myself right now? writing the future that I'm working so hard towards. And if I just change the script, if I just upgrade that self-talk, could it, could it bring about a future that's, that's so much more exciting than the one I'm, I'm thinking about right now? Mm-hmm. I, I love how you mentioned the word script because I think a lot of people struggle with, they try to rewrite the script and they think that the movie scene is going to change immediately. And a lot mm. of times... You're writing the script for a long time before the scene is ever going to change, and we're not patient enough to wait for it. You know, we're not patient enough to keep keep working toward it and and stay positive toward it, whatever it may be. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It's it's my my belief nowadays that you you the mon- what you say to yourself is is the biggest determining factor in how the world unravels for you. Because here's the thing about self talk is. Even when great things happen and you've got, if you've got bad self-talk, you don't see them, you know, when, mm-hmm. when truly, you know, joyful things happen in your life or things really work out, if you've got negative self-talk, 
you miss the best of it. Like when I think back in my, my first, my son being born, I was not present nearly as much as I would have liked to because I was so focused on what I was losing and what was changing and what was difficult too <laughs> too focused on my own BS, you know, mm-hmm. to, to truly be present for his, his arrival. Whereas I should have just been shoulda, woulda, coulda, but I, I, the lesson I learned is to be more present and just appreciate the good of what he is, what a gift he is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it was after the, sometimes you need the negative to point out the positive, right? Is we had, we had five, five losses, my mother half and I, and that just made me super, super grateful for him. Mm-hmm. And now that we've got our second on the way, I'm, I'm so excited because I'm, because I just know what it's like to, to how difficult that can be. So yeah, the, your perspective, your story, your script is, um, yeah, what really what determines how you see the world because it's ultimately what you're articulating is what's it's what's going on. It's not what, it's not what's out there. It's what you uh, the story you tell around it that makes yeah. the difference. Yeah, it's all perception. And like you yeah. said, you wouldn't you wouldn't know that there was day if uh, you didn't see the the night at times as well. You know the darkness. Yeah. So yeah. Well, to take us through, how did you start to rewrite your story then? I mean, where did where did you really start with all that then? Yeah, yeah. So the yeah, the start rewriting the story is is a funny one because a lot I think a lot of men do this. A lot of men are familiar with the things we're talking about so far. We're talking about self-talk, we're talking about writing the script, positive mental attitude, all these things. The challenge of those is or the, the thing that people miss out is they say, Well, you need more than just your own perspective. You know, if you just you see the world in the way that you see it. I see the world in the way that I see it, right? Mm-hmm. So what we need is we need outside perspective to widen that that view, that lens. So what I started to do that I'd never really done before is I started reaching out to mentors, coaches, therapists, consultants, uh, counselors. Some of them were great, some of them weren't great, but all of them gave me their perspective that ultimately widened possibility. I started the podcast mainly to reach out to people that I thought might have something that I could potentially maybe glean from you know and I remember when we spoke that was that was brilliant because you just had a a totally different view of the world you you'd gone from this position where you you weren't fulfilled and weren't happy in your role you'd somehow figured out how to pivot how to shift and how to do the thing you're really excited about while in fact, growing your family in spite of all these challenges. And so I, I got the privilege to speak to you and hear your story along with, you know, 40, 50 other men who told a similar story. And they told the good stuff, they told the bad stuff, and they told everything in between and how they were able to take the challenging stuff and turn it into something good. And just from speaking to those who saw it differently, my like I say, my perspective widened and, and what seemed possible became what was impossible became possible, became practical, and then eventually it became inevitable. Mm-hmm. And it and it obviously wasn't easy. I mean, I know you've mentioned, you know, there were, you said you had, I mean, doctors offered you, you know, pills for anxiety, depression, all those things, and you really chose to not go down that route, correct? Yeah, it was, that was a, that was a turning point where 
uh, with all that had happened, I went to the doctors because I think friends and family at that stage going were, were saying, yeah, Cray's getting worse. He's not getting better. So I went to the doctors after their recommendation and explained my my symptoms and how how I was feeling. And they said, that, you know, this <laughs> this this doctor was kind of half paying attention and and just ticked boxes, literally ticked boxes and went, yeah. So you're 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 uh, 14 of the 17 things that we look for when we categorize when we diagnose depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And handed me the form and went, "Yep, so there you go. So you are those things." Wow. And I went, "Oh, okay." And they said, "So I'll give you a prescription for this and you take one of these a day and uh, we'll review it in 6 months." And I was going, "Okay." And all of us, and, and the funny thing is, when I went into that that doctor's office, it was uh, I was super embarrassed. I, I thought, what am I doing here? This isn't. I'm not supposed to be here. How did I fall so far? All this kind of stuff. And then they just laid out this very black and white. You know, you are these 14 of these 17 things, and there was something that was super freeing about it, because I thought, oh, so it's a thing. So it's not me, you know, it's just a, I'm just 14 of the 17. I've some, uh, oh, okay. This isn't just me. It's not a big deal. This guy isn't even surprised by my story. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sharing more than I have to. So that when I, when I left that, he'd given me the prescription. I collected the, the I don't even remember what they were, antidepressants or something, but I, I looked at it and I went, yeah, that's not me. And for whatever reason, my identity or my, I didn't allow myself to attach my identities to somebody that took those. Mm-hmm. I I had friends, I had friends of friends who had been on antidepressants for, you know, five, 10 years, 15 years off and on. And I thought, yeah, that's, that's not me. That's, I don't know what the answer is right now, but that isn't me. And I, that's not to knock them as a, as a, method of of helping people you know there's there's plenty of people those that have been on them for 15 years would say they're they're excellent and they help a lot maybe for some people they do right yeah the the, you know the ironic thing about that i think craig is it sums up society as a whole like the doctor checking all the boxes and saying hey this is you this is who you are and what you're about because i think that's going on all the time with everybody around us and we are building up the thoughts in our mind of what we think people think about us. And we can choose to believe it or we can choose to buck it, you know, and really and really create our own beliefs because I think that is such a struggle for so many people. Where they're mm. you know, they, they're creating their own they're creating their own identity or they're letting the outside world or their thoughts of what they think the outside world is thinking create their identity. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a big thing around what we get told is normal is it's just crazy. Like I, mm-hmm. I got sent a, an article yesterday that was I'm looking for it now on my on my phone, but an article by The Guardian, which here in the UK is, a, you know, maybe not everybody loves it, but a, a well established, well respected by by a lot of people. And the article read in the future, most people will need help having kids. Mm-hmm. There are the the majority of people 
uh, cannot do it alone. And whether that's true or not, what an insane thing to accept. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I believe that they say one in four pregnancies end in, in miscarriage and that's the stat. And I think it's a lot higher. I think a lot more couples struggle with that. But to say, you know, it's we're just we're going we're going to need science in the future. The, that's the wrong question. You know, the question should be, why is it that going forward, we're going to need more intervention than not? What was what was better 10,000 years ago that's worse today? Mm -hmm. And that's a societal norm that I'm, I'm just not OK with. Just like if you've got a if you've got depression and you've got anxiety, you take pills and somehow that fixes it. It doesn't fix it. It just stops it from happening. Like, how did you get there? What happened yeah. that, that took you there? Are we just going to, and it, without getting too polarizing about it, it's the other article that most people will have seen is that pandemics are going to be part of our everyday life. Oh, you know, yep. Every five years, we're going to have a new pandemic. That's just crazy. Yeah. It's mental priming. Yeah. Like, hmm. even if that's true, and let's assume it is. Let's assume 100% for the next five, every five years, like clockwork, we're going to have a new pandemic. What? What is that? That wasn't the case 50 years ago. Why is no one asking that question? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is it about the way we live nowadays? What is it about the way we treat animals, the way we eat, the way we live? That no one's obviously people some people are but the the powers that be the narrative are not thinking maybe it's maybe it's our fault yep. you know yep. if it's up to me if it's going to be it's up to me maybe maybe it's something we did yeah and then we just accept it like 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 we said you know personally you 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 think people think things about you or you're you think people think you're supposed to be this or be that and then we mm -hmm. you can you can accept it or you can fight back and, and question it and and that's the point you were at, obviously. You started questioning things as that when you're working in that warehouse, you started uh, your podcast, with the, uh, you started working with coaches, therapists, I mean, interviewing people, working with some of them. Then where mm. was the big turning point? Where was the breaking point maybe after that? Yeah, good, good, good question. I think like a lot of these things, the moment passes you by in the best way where I, I did these increment, these little things that made tomorrow or today look a little bit brighter than yesterday. And I did that again the next day. I did that again the next day. And I wasn't trying to rewrite the world. You know, when I first, when I was at my lowest, I was still watching Grant Cardone talking about 10X and how you can be a, a billionaire <laughs> and, and anyone can do it and buy real estate. And I was like, yeah, okay, Grant, I'm going to do that. We'll get there. <laughs> and just following all these gurus that just say the world is perfect and yep. and everything is possible. But I was so far from that. And I gave up on that because it was making me feel worse, not better. And I thought, you know, today I'm just going to focus on making today better than yesterday. And then if I fail at that, I'll, you know, we'll go out tomorrow. Almost like that Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm -hmm. they, they, they wouldn't dream of being alcohol free for the rest of their life because that's that's a big ask, but you know, I can, I can avoid drinking today. Yep. So yeah, did that time. day after day after day after day. And then, you know, a couple of months later, I wasn't working there anymore and I had a different job and this is better. 
And then the podcast, I realized that I was actually absorbing a lot because I was listening. For the first time, I was really listening to what people had to say. And all of a sudden, these thoughts and these perspectives had gone from interesting to internal. And it was guys like you that listening to, to you going, huh, that's possible. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I see this. I see this path. And no one thing really did it, but it was the conscious effort to, to get to get better. It's like the old um, marginal gains theory. You know, it's it's not about these massive wins overnight. You know, there's no there's no or, overnight success. It's about marginal gains, incremental inch by inch movements mm-hmm. that improve your day, improve your week, then your years looking a little bit brighter. And then the leaps that you can make become bigger. And I just turned around one day and this might be the day, you know, being on this podcast, being the other side of it going, yeah, who was that guy? God, <laughs> you know, I don't recognize him anymore. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I've done a, a number of podcasts over the last couple of months. And every time I tell the story, I go, yeah, it's weird to think back. Like, I don't even know how I got there. <laughs> I don't quite know how I got out. But yeah, consistency. I, oh, consistency. That's what I always tell people too, Craig, is just keep showing up, man. Just keep showing up. Yeah. And exactly what you said, eventually you hit the point where you go back and you go, man, things have really changed, but I don't really know what happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 100%, 100%. I think it's um, it's that starting from an honest place. You need to find your feet before you you know, you know, make these big leaps. You need to figure out where you actually stand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and find yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's almost step two. Step one is just getting a solid footing. I was still tra- I was still trying to go big, even though things were collapsing. You know, I was mm-hmm. still trying to focus on these big, audacious goals. And I needed to just stop, take stock, get a foundation, reset, get a good night's rest. <laughs> you know, there's, there's not many problems that a good night's sleep won't fix. No, just that's true. reset the mind and body and then go, okay, the world has stopped collapsing. What do we want to do? What's today? And then just doing that and doing that until consistency, consistency over always wins. Mm-hmm. I agree. You know, is that, is that been a big thing in your life then consistency? Oh, absolutely. You know, since, since launching out on my own as an entrepreneur, you know, people ask me all the time, like, man, you've, you've grown so much in the last year. Like you've come so far, you know, you left teaching and then you did this and now it's like, holy smokes, you're working with businesses at a national level and stuff. Like what, what, what's been the secret for you? And that's the only word that ever comes to mind is Mm. just show up every single day. Just bust your ass, stay in front of people, try to provide value and just try to consistently do it over and over and over. And there's not always good days. You know, there's, there's days where it's like, Oh God, what the hell am I doing this for? <laughs> you know, everybody <laughs> has those. And let's yeah. just face it. You know, yeah. let's not, let's not fake it till we make it. I mean, that's just how it is, but that's, that's the number one thing. And people just, I think people just aren't patient enough, Craig. People aren't patient enough for the big changes that they want to see. So they, go a different route they get they become unhappy they self-medicate they give up they try something else uh and then before you know it it's like man you just have a lost soul yeah i mean that that is that is the definition of lost isn't it is there they they do one thing and then they do something completely different they do something else and and there's a 
there's a difference between being lost and wandering. You mm-hmm. know, yes. you can you can really you can change. It's okay to completely um, change your your mind. My, my my son's three now, and he can't, today he comes out with. Um, I think I said, do you want to go to the park? And he said, yes. And then he said, actually, no. Uh, and then he goes, uh, I changed my mind and that's okay. And I went, that's brilliant self-talk. <laughs> I like it. You know, that's, I said, yes, that is absolutely okay to change your mind. Yes, we will do something else. And so it's okay to do that, but it's, it's not okay to, to do the opposite, which is just to, to give up early. And mm-hmm. it's just the, you know, it's, it's the enemy of, of real true success. Cause I mean, even if you, even if I think back to when we recorded our podcast, you were in a, we, we both were, but I, I can see you more clearly than I can see myself, but you were in a different place where now oh, you have this sure. whole associate team and it's brilliant to see, uh, see things evolve. And you can, looking back, the path is super clear. You know, you can see, well, you did this, and then you did this, and then you did this, and then you did this. Mm-hmm. But the, it's like the, the Steve Jobs quote. I think I'm throwing every, every, kind of <laughs> every famous quote at you here. But Steve Jobs said that it's, it's impossible to, to dot the, to, help me out. Steve Jobs said it's impossible to dot the journey going forward. You can only do it going back. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it's all about just kind of, going in what you think is the right direction and then sticking true to the goal, but being flexible in the approach. Absolutely. So I know, I know Craig, we only have a couple of minutes here left, but I want you to touch on how do you take all of this now? And you obviously help numerous men with this now in your online community and through your own podcast. I mean, built to last touch on a little bit about just kind of what are some of the big things you stress um, within those groups and, and kind of your teachings now? Mm, really good question. Well, I think the biggest myth that a lot of men, a lot of men in business especially, have been taught, have taught themselves, is that they are alone in their challenges. And what I mean specifically is the challenges that they're going through at the moment are unique to them. And I feel that's super damaging to any kind of progress because mm-hmm. my motivation for creating the the online community, I think we're up to two two or three hundred members that I know personally and I know the stories and it's all men who are fully capable of running an excellent business and being great fathers and have the motivation to be a great partner and all the rest but they all have challenges challenges are not going away but what's funny is when one man in that group raises his hand and goes look this is my biggest headache right now and they're honest and open and going I don't know how to solve this problem one of those two or three hundred men will go I know how to do that Mm-hmm. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, there's so much for, power in the group like that. Yeah, one one man's biggest threat, biggest headache, biggest challenge is somebody's 2010. You know? Yeah, I went through that. Yeah, this is what you have to do. No problem. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the biggest biggest strategy. And then it was it was making feel, making it okay for men to raise their hand and say two things. The first is I need help with this, and the second is. I just had this big win. Can I swear? <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the second thing is men just want to say, I'm just fucking excited about it. Yeah. Because for somewhere along the way, men were told that they can't be excited about the wins in their life. If a man has a win in business, <laughs> he's leading the patriarchy to, to oppressive power when he's just excited. <laughs> 
yeah. about this thing that he worked for. That's all. Not trying to keep anyone down. So it's a, it's a it's a supportive and challenging culture of when you need help, you ask for it, and when you're excited, you share it. And for this, the men that I mean, you're you're part of the community. Is that is that the biggest things you get from it, or is there is there more? You know, just the I think I think like you touched on, Craig, just the the transparency. When you see people be just open and honest about who they are, what they're struggling with, what they're going through. It it make it not only provides help, but most of all is it cracks you open and makes you look at yourself. And when you see others struggling with those things, you you turn it you turn it back on yourself and you start asking yourself more more questions, important questions. And all and and I think and I think the the biggest value is you start learning more and more about yourself. You know, as you're around more people like that, you absolutely learn more about yourself. And the more you learn about yourself and the more questions you ask about yourself and the more curious you are about the world and how you play into it and what's important to you, man, the, the, the ceiling is limitless. 100%. Yeah. And then the, the Built to Last podcast, I was, I was starting to grow. The, the podcast was evolving because I was evolving faster. I used to do hour-long interviews and now I do these daily 10 minutes. And Every day I speak to one of these men in the 200s and two, 300 men, and they give me something that I haven't heard before, something that isn't as cliched as a Steve Jobs quote or something else, something mm-hmm. that I, I've shared today. But they give me something brilliant, some one idea to think about. And I go, you know, I'm, yes, that's, I want to capture that today. And so the, the podcast became kind of selfish but super valuable in that every episode is just one idea explored, you know, whether that's overcoming objections from clients, whether that's dealing with the hard lessons that life has to teach you, whether that's how to build relationships, whether that's, you know, firing your clients, how to do that. Just one big, one big concept every single day. And, and since I, I pivoted the podcast to that, it's been, the feedback's been brilliant. And I'm super excited to continue the episodes up to, you know, the goal is a thousand episodes with a thousand bits of insight. Awesome. Last question for you, Craig, who's the number one guest you want on that podcast? Yeah, that's a good one. That is a good one. Number one guest. Man, it would be great to have you back on that. How about that? <laughs> oh, you got to think bigger than that, Craig. <laughs> yeah. Let's, how about that? We get Grant Cardone. We get Grant Cardone on the podcast and we say, let's explain this 10X thing. Let, let me help you. Let's let's unwrap this a little bit. And let's talk about what to focus on today rather than <laughs> how to go enormous tomorrow. There we go. We're going to tag him on here and see if we can get him. Uh, see if We'll light him up a little bit, see what we can get out of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. A guy that thinks that enormously is worth speaking to for, oh, for an hour, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Well, Craig, I greatly appreciate you coming on here. Um, man, you bring up some awesome points, some awesome questions for for listeners to ask themselves. I mean, I think number one is like, man, are you really happy with where you're at? You know, are you feeling balanced? Are you feeling fulfilled? You know, do you feel like there's something missing in your life? Uh, you know, start asking, start asking the tough questions. Like you said, I think that makes the biggest difference. And once you start to sift through those questions and you start to, like you said, find your base and then you start to, uh, uh, lay out some of those goals and things that you want, and then just consistently show up and start attacking it and realize that it's never going to be perfect and it's an infinite game, you know, I think is so important. Yeah, 100%. Okay, awesome. Craig, where can our listeners find you and follow you? So if you are a podcast listener, which I imagine you are listening to this, the 
You can find us on, on any place that you'd get your podcast with the Built to Last podcast. You, you can also go to thebuilttolastpodcast.com. And if you're on Facebook, if you're a man looking for a, a like-minded community of men looking to grow in business, to lead their family, to stay in shape, and ultimately set the example for the kids, we have an online community called the Business and Family Men Group on Facebook. All right, sweet. Make sure you guys check that out. Again, that was the builttolastpodcast.com and then the Business and Family Men uh, Facebook group. And I know Craig would love to have you guys in there and uh, participate, uh, learn from the others in there because like like he said, we're all going through the same stuff and you may as well learn from others instead of uh, reinventing the wheel and, and suffering through it yourself. So, but Craig, thanks again for coming on here, man. Um, and with that, uh, everybody don't forget to follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook at Patrick Metzger Coaching. I appreciate everybody for listening, tuning into the episode. Be sure to subscribe, rate the podcast. Uh, As always, show notes uh, from today can be found on my website at patrick-metzger.com. And take a screenshot today's show. Share it with somebody. Uh, Share it with another uh, fellow businessman, family man, whoever it may be that uh, could maybe use some help. So fantastic message today uh, in in the episode with Craig Hurd here. So until next time, I want to remind everybody to own you and the journey.